Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly podcast about all things mental health. I'm Ellen. And I'm Yvette. And this week we'll be chatting to the lovely Henry Crew about this incredible challenge he's going to do. He's going to be going on a motorcycle all around the world in aid of Movember. But before then, let's have a little listen to last week when we were chatting to Alexander Leon about LGBTQ issues, uh, mental health and coming out. Most minority communities are affected disproportionately um, by mental health issues or mental illness. Um, so in that case, I would say I think it is something that should be uh, considered separately. You know, as someone who is is both a part of the LGBT community and is a person of color, you know, I fit two kind of minority, uh, I guess, labels. Um, and I was thinking about, did I feel... Uh, did I have more difficulty coming to terms with my brownness than I do with my gayness? So now back to Henry Crew. He suffered anxiety and depression and he's lost some people to suicide as well. So this motivated him to do an awareness raising thing for Movember and we'll be chatting to him about that. I had issues with depression and anxiety mainly. When I was sort of like 14 to 16, I was just depressed all the time. Um, didn't really recognize it. I kind of dealt with depression after that um, on and off, but then it came back quite strongly when I was at university. And that's when I first started to realize that this isn't just me going through puberty and being a teenager. This is something more than that. It was a tough few years. It's got a lot better, but like, it's such a strange thing. It's such a broad thing. Explaining it to people that haven't experienced it is something that I find really difficult. Um, and I never talked about it. Didn't tell my family or anything like that. The, the first time they found out about it was when I did an interview with BBC Three mm -hmm. back in September. Um, and it, it felt great to have it out in the open, actually, mm -hmm. um, and not have this thing that I was like trying to 
cover up from certain people. But yeah, I mean, I haven't had it half as bad as other people have. Some of my friends have just had just horrible experiences with stuff. Um, and like self-harm has been a massive thing within my friendship group. I've had friends that have had real issues with that. I think we've all found different ways to self-harm, which like whether it develops itself through cutting or like abusing alcohol or substances or just generally treating your body like absolute rubbish mm. and when I got into motorbikes started riding motorbikes it was an escape for me a distraction and yeah like my happy place I, th I think it's hopefully um, by talking about it anyone else that's going through that sort of thing can see maybe they can talk about it as well or maybe they can find their version of motorcycling or Ruby's kayaking or whatever works for them and hopefully it helps in some way. Tell us about your challenge. Cool. Um, so I'm attempting to become the youngest person to circumnavigate the world by motorcycle. Um, it's like 35,000 miles over the next year through 35 countries or more. Um, and I'm doing it for Movember. Um, so raising money for them. Hopefully we're going to raise 35,000 pounds, which would be great. Movember, they um, raise awareness and money for testicular cancer, prostate cancer and men's mental health. Um, the men's mental health aspect is something that I really relate to. Um, and the, the cause that kind of brought me to that charity, really. Um, but yeah, it's going to be great. I leave on Tuesday. What kind of motorbike is it? Um, it's a Ducati Scrambler Desert Sled. Um, so Ducati have um, sponsored the trip, which is really cool. It's great so far. I've had it for a, a few weeks and really loving it. So hopefully it's going to be good. Have you had like experience riding motorbikes before? <laughs> yeah, so I've been riding for like the last, uh, I've had a license for like the last three or four years. Put quite a few miles in since That's then. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's been like a whirlwind 10 months really um from like originally um seeing that i could do the record thing and decided on that day that i was going to do it and started sending out emails um and a couple of weeks later i heard from ben um, which was great and it was all looking good and then i wrote my bike off which was looking bad uh, it's kind of been up and down for ages um but it's all kind of come together i'm sort of in disbelief about that <laughs> what made you want to do like the challenge of that in terms of I like motorcycling versus like I'm going <laughs> to cycle around the world. Um, see, in my mind, it was a logical progression. Mm. Like um, I want to ride as much as I can. I literally spend most of my life on a bike anyway, like between riding to work and then I'd be riding on the weekends. And then any time I felt stressed, I'd go for a ride. And doing something long distance and traveling is something I've always wanted to do. So, yeah, it was a no brainer when I found out that I could have this sort of um, selling point around it was perfect timing and opportunity that I couldn't turn down, really. So have you prepared mentally yet or not really? Uh, I just... It's such a hard one, like, because it's so... It's just the great unknown, really. I don't know what I'm going to encounter um, or, like, even how difficult or what bits are going to be particularly difficult. Like, anything could happen. So it's kind of hard to wrap your head around and I think that is going to be a, a big challenge. Like I spoke with Charlie Borman a few weeks back and he was saying that isolation and, and that side of things will be, will be difficult. But it's just something that I've never really experienced. So it's hard to prepare yourself for something that when you, you don't know what's going to work or what you can do. 
I'm just trying to stay positive and open-minded and um, try and relax, really. Like, stress is one of my triggers for um, both anxiety and depression. And if I feel like I'm failing something or not doing well enough, then I'll wake up the next morning and just not be able to get out of bed. Um, so keeping a positive mental attitude's been hard so far, but... Um, yeah, there's been loads of ups and downs. I'm sure it's going to continue that way for the next year. Um, but it's a good challenge um, mentally as well to prove to myself that I can do this sort of thing. I'm amazed it's got this far, to be honest. <laughs> do you mind if we go back to talking about your friends a little bit? Mm -hmm. Because I, I gather as well as the, the self-harm, um, you sadly lo lost some of your friends yeah, to suicide. Not always close friends, but just I've been around a lot of... like. A, an alarming rate of suicide really from um people that i grew up with people i went to school with um work colleagues and um i worked at a university and there was people committing suicide there people that i met through friends and their universities and those people have killed themselves mm. um and predominantly although the mental health has been pretty evenly spread over um, males and females. The suicides are predominantly male. Mm. It's it's just shocking. And I mean, I've been in places where, like really dark places and it crosses your mind. But then after you come out of that phase, it's so hard to kind of relate to that place that you were in before and, yeah. um, and still justify it. It's just such a shocking thing. Um, mm. And the scale of it, it's just scary for it mm. to be such a, I think it's like the main killer of men under 45. Yeah. It's just way too common. It's, um, it's hard for me to talk about because it's not always people that I was still really close with when it happened. And you, you kind of feel that guilt as well of like, how could I have helped them? Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's where the, the whole ignorance to it comes in. Um, Every single case is different. Um, I've, I've, I've known people that have had um, existing, pre-existing mental health problems and people that have been um, really troubled by mental health that have committed suicide. And then there's other people that have had, never had anything detected. Um, mm. And just like that, they've decided that that is their only option. Mm. Um, and you can't take it back, which is just so scary. Yeah. Um, and as well, having had problems with my mental health and being in that place and having those thoughts, um, when it happens to other people, you, you you kind of stop. And especially when it's people that are close to you, you stop and think that so easily could have been me. Yeah. Um, why didn't I do it? And what made them do it? And how can how can I help the next person that kind of comes into my life that might be on that path. Mm, absolutely. The, the thing as well is that it's all different people from all different walks of life that I've known. You would never put into the same category or maybe even the same friendship group. Um, it couldn't happen to anyone. There's so many points to say about it. It's such a difficult one. It's really strange as well, like you say, if you've been in a place where you've thought about it yourself because I've had that situation where um, I lost a male friend to suicide and when I, I remember the day where I heard about it and it just felt like just being in some sort of other like strange world because I have bipolar disorder and I've had times when I've come very close to that so to then sort of be in that situation where I've seen the aftermath and yeah so I've, I've seen family reactions and friends reaction that's quite 
strange <laughs> to mm. say the least but um yeah it's weird it's almost like especially when you say um if it's someone close to you or someone that's you sort of um, see similar traits within their story. Yeah, it's almost like watching yourself from a third-party perspective of like a different path that you could have taken. Yeah. And you, you see and you're like, oh, that's how it would have played out and this is how my family would have been affected and, and all of my friends. And yeah, um, yeah it is strange. It's like an out-of-body experience yeah. when it happen- comes that close to you. So what do you think we can do? Because like I said, with my friend, it was also um, a guy and there's definitely a... A, a huge problem isn't there with male suicide um particularly I, one of the things you kind of mentioned was that it does seem to kind of come out of the blue and i think there's an issue with maybe men not wanting to talk about mental health issues mm-hmm. so people will be surprised because they won't realize that there was something wrong in the first place what can we do there's there's so many different levels of um intervention but also like self-awareness is a massive thing like i think that first putting your hand up and saying that first point of contact where you're like I need some help or this isn't healthy that is the hardest step and the the most important step as well because once you're on that path and you've got a support network that are aware Mm. so much easier to deal with stuff Mm. Um, but again every every case is different and every person's different and it's just such a difficult topic which I think is why there's so much ignorance around it I'm sat here saying that I've been through this and people around me have been through this and I still have no idea what we can do other than try and be more open and um, more aware. Since being more open have more of your friends sort of talk to you you about their issues or were you already kind of so my friendship group were kind of united by how our kind of situation i guess like um and it it wasn't like a spoken about thing it just kind of came about we all ended up living in the same house and all slowly discovered that we each had our own problems um and it was natural for us there was no kind of hiding it we were all living together and it was all out in the open so there was like a natural support group that formed around that but we didn't all like sit down and talk openly about how we were feeling we just made sure that we were there for each other Mm -hmm. um were there to talk if if it needed to be that way but so many people since coming forward and doing the bbc3 video back in september and having more of a profile around this trip and the causes and speaking about my own experience and how motorcycling has helped me mm-hmm. there's been so many people that have come forward and said like me too on that one like um, whether it's bikes or something else and there's been a huge amount of appreciation for speaking about it publicly but also just people saying yeah i've exactly the same for me um i've never spoken to anyone about it or i deal with this on my own and it's refreshing to to have people speak about it and um, have the same experience and issues as me so i feel like talking about it it's been very unnatural for me like i've never spoken about it before and kind of put myself in a position where i had to like you can't really um support a a mental health charity and then be like i'm not going to talk about my own experience um so yeah i forced myself to talk about it um got it out in the open it's 
become so much easier to talk about it. And so many people have come forward and said, yeah, exactly the same. I've talked with people mainly through social media. Complete strangers have got in touch and said, I've seen this and I've really relate to that. Um, and just talking to them has been great. And it makes your problem so much smaller when you can talk to someone or see someone in the same position that's kind of saying, oh, it's you can get through that. Mm. But everyone's different. And like I said before, mental health is like such a broad topic and there's so many things that are all lumped together but are just completely different from one another um, that it does make it hard to talk about it on like a general kind of scale. How was it for you kind of getting more of a public profile around mental health and knowing that people are listening to what you're saying and <laughs> responding to what you're saying? Do you feel any pressure? Yeah, it is a weird one. I started off just doing the bike thing and posting pictures of bikes, talking about bikes. And um, then the whole world record thing came around. And the BBC video was the first time that I'd had to talk publicly about or even talk at all, like really outside of my friendship group, um, did this video and it came out. And um, it was a relief, but pressure at the same time. Once it's out there, there's no taking it back. You mentioned that your family only found out you were going through stuff when they saw the video. Mm -hmm. How did they react to that? Uh, my mum cried a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, it wasn't the best way to go about it. I think she thought it was quite disrespectful for me not to have spoken to her about it first. Um, but for me, it was way more difficult to talk to my mum and dad about it than it was to talk to two complete strangers that I'm never going to meet again. Mm. Um, and it was it's a difficult one. I think we're cool about it now. Uh, yeah, I think she just felt a bit embarrassed that I hadn't gone to her about it. But it's kind of hard to explain to someone that you don't want them involved in it or you don't feel... Although I'm like perfectly comfortable talking with my, my family about stuff, that was something that I didn't want to involve them in. And I was not ashamed, but sort of ashamed about it. I, d I didn't want them to be involved with it. It was something that I wanted to deal with on my own. And I saw it as a weakness, um, which I just wanted to kind of shut down and, and, and get away from it. I didn't want a huge faff around it. And I didn't want everyone's opinions. And um, because of the ignorance and lack of understanding, I knew that as soon as I told them, I'd have to answer a million more questions. And I just wanted to deal with it. So, yeah, I made the decision just to kind of not involve my family in it. And then after the BBC thing came out, I didn't really have any choice, but it, it was good. It's good that it's out there now. Um, and we're cool. I found that with my parents, like I spoke about mental health for the first time on the internet mm -hmm. and that's how they found out about it. But now it's quite nice because my dad will chat to me about experiences of depression and stuff yeah. like that. It's a weird one because as far as I'm aware, it's not, it's not been a two way thing. So mm -hmm. my, my parents haven't come to me and said like, Oh, we we can relate to this or we can relate to that it's been quite an, an alien concept to them um i like outside of my my parents we haven't really spoken about it like my my grandparents don't know they haven't seen the in other interviews that i've done and i just don't want to open that kind of worms really as that's kind of like a decision that we made together which is sad but yeah, it's a sad one and it's a weird one and it's going to have to come out sometime, but I'd rather be halfway no, across the world <laughs> when that happens. Mm -hmm. um, but it's sort of made conversations easier. I've been lucky in that the past sort of since deciding to do this trip, I've had something to focus on every day. Um, and although there's been like highs and lows within it, 
it has kept me kind of buoyant and I haven't had any bad episodes or anything in the last kind of eight months, which has been great. So there's not really been a chance to kind of speak to them and say like I'm I'm having a bad day or but yeah I think it would make it easier we uh, we do talk talk a lot more since then yeah it's tricky to explain that to your parents yeah my parents are very much like how did we not notice yeah. like we failed you it's like it, there's no way you could have exactly. it's difficult to get that across and yeah. also I think there's such a big difference between sharing stuff with the internet and with the public and sharing it with someone who you actually know quite well definitely and for some reason that's a lot scarier yeah definitely yeah. i hadn't talked to any of my friends before i wrote pieces about mental health mm. online my my family knew because they could not know because i was there because they were there when i had mania but you know my friends no idea yeah. As far as I know, I haven't mm. actually really asked them about that because I should. It might be interesting. Yeah, honestly. I'm. I'm pretty sure I do have some best friends that are sort of were sort of vaguely aware of what was going on, but didn't really, you know, I mean, they didn't certainly didn't ask at the time. And like since I haven't brought it up, so I yeah. think this is where once like it's easy to confuse it for something else until you explain it to them, mm. like. People might think you're just a bit flaky or... Well, you secretly hate them. It's yeah. Like, no, I'm just like feeling awful. Yeah, I just hate myself mm, instead. Yeah. I think because my friendship group were all very much in each other's pockets for the few years when it was um, particularly bad, it was just known. It wasn't spoken about. It was just like, yeah, this is happening. Mm. Um so it's a strange one. I, I don't know if anyone outside my extended, in, well, within my extended friendship group would have known. So what is it about bikes that makes them your happy place? It is all sorts of things. It's something that's always there and you can use it for half an hour or take the whole day. It's a strange one because it allows you to think about things that you can't focus on whilst doing anything else I, I find that I have a million things happening in my head and I find it so hard to pick out and focus on something mm -hmm. um, and, and once you're able to p focus on something it makes everything quieter and less of a problem so for me there's two things with motorcycling it allows me to either focus on one thing and think it through or think about nothing apart from riding a bike um, so it's the ultimate distraction for me like you you're leaving the house which is a major thing for me whenever i was depressed i wouldn't leave the house ever to the point where like nipping around the corner to get food was just too much it's something that i know that i love and that is always accessible so it's worked perfectly for me there's not a huge amount of other things that are as consistent in in helping me with mental health um a lot of it is based on like success and failure balance and my perception of that is warped drastically so i will see so many things as a failure when they aren't um with motorcycling you can't really attach that success and failure to it which is i think one of the reasons why it works for me because it's just it's just riding a bike it's, there's no winning losing not doing quite as well or not meeting your expectations um it just it is what it is Thanks so much to Henry for talking to us. And this week is actually quite special because we've just celebrated our 50th episode of Mentally Yours. Yay! Which is quite a big deal for us because we kind of started just a podcast talking about our own weird mental health issues. Yep. And then it's become this really cool thing. Yeah. 
50 episodes with really brilliant people who've been celebrating with us on Twitter, which means a lot. So thank you. We've been covering all kinds of different issues. Um, we've talked about schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, borderline personality disorder. We've had some really interesting people um, come on and chat. Obviously, we've chatted to some celebs as well. Uh, Ruby Wax, Audley, Audley Harrison. Can't believe we made it to 50. It's no, quite same. exciting, isn't it? And if you haven't been listening, you have so much of a backlog that you can get through now, which is great. And when you're done doing that, you can review us as well, because reviews still help. Yes. Even when you've done 50 episodes. Definitely. So if you haven't seen it already, we've got a Facebook group also called Mentally Yours. Um, come and have a chat with us there. We talk about all things mental health. Um, sometimes we talk about stuff on the show, but generally we're just talking about uh, mental health issues across the board. Everyone's sort of welcome to come and chat. Um, one of the things that I posted in there recently was about the clocks changing, um, because that's something that I find a bit difficult. Having kind of consistent regular sleep is very important in terms of mind and mental health. I think that's probably an issue for um, a lot of other people. So I posted that and um, we had quite a few comments around that. One of the things that kind of fairly life-changing for me actually was that there were a couple in the group who were also talking about um, how spring affects them. One lady was talking about how spring usually brings mania for them. And when she said that, I was just like, I can't believe that because I've yeah. always found that as well. And then we had another lady, lady also saying that's, you know, the same um, so yeah, I couldn't believe that first of all, because when I've said that to a GP, they've just kind of shrugged off. That was, yeah, that was nice. Changing, honestly, yeah. Cause I didn't know that either. I'd only heard of like seasonal affective disorder, mm. the reverse. Yeah. And then just seeing multiple people say the same thing. It's like, this yeah. is really interesting. Also, um, it made me feel so pleased because, you know, the reason that I wanted to set up the podcast in the first place was, you know, to make people feel less alone. So um, to actually just be sort of chatting about it in the Facebook group, um, you know, it made me feel less alone yeah. and like to have like other people kind of relate to it as well. That was really, really great. And then people still sharing how they deal with spring in general, because, yeah, like I say, for me, it's not great in terms of mania, um, but just generally people's sleeping patterns getting messed about and what they can do to improve them. I just hate spring. <laughs> I just don't like the sun. I don't like the season change. Yeah. The, no, I don't. But then that's awful. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I associate it with mania. Yeah. So I just, I'm really wary of the whole thing. I'm just generally grumpy and would prefer cold and dark all the yeah. time. Yeah. Cold and dark is at least sort of stable. And like, exactly. the thing like for me is like, I get definitely more sort of depression in the winter, but at the same time, it's a more stable time. Whereas I think it's easier for me to do like self-care stuff in winter. Because it's mm. like, I can, I know I need to be home. I can wrap up. I can be really cozy and like safe. Whereas in spring, I think one of my most hated things and things that really triggers anxiety and panic attacks for me is being too warm mm. or too hot and having to get public transport and do all those kind of things as summer approaches. is just a nightmare. So this is goodbye from mentally Mentally 
If you've been affected by any of the issues we've discussed today, please give Samaritans a ring on 116 123 or go to their website at samaritans.org. Please follow us on Twitter. We have um, a handle which is mentally yours, YRS. Obviously, we've got the Facebook group as well. And if you haven't already, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. Thanks very much to our producer, Sam Bonham, and to Lucy Baker for the jingles. And also, obviously, to our lovely guest, Henry. See you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.